0: preached his message, and he asked for people that wanted to be saved, and this is what he did. He said, everybody in here who knows that you're ready to go to heaven if you die today, stand up. Now, he was practicing a psychological trick on people, and I didn't know anything about church, but I did know when somebody was trying to pull something over on me because I'd had it happen so many times I knew when it was happening again. So I knew that he had an ulterior motive in what he said. He wasn't concerned about those people that were ready to go to heaven. He wanted to trap those people that were not who would still be seated and be feeling badly because they were seated. So I, along with a lot of other hypocrites, stood up to say, if I were to die today, I'd I'd go to heaven. Now, I did about spirituality or church or salvation or the scriptures or anything else, but one thing I did know, if you would pinned me right down on it, I would have told you, no, I'm not ready to go to heaven. I did know that. But I stood up and said I was anyway because I didn't want to be seated and then him and I say, everybody who's seated, you need to come on down here and do something, whatever it was he was going to say. So I stood up with everybody else and it did touch my conscience a little bit. Later on in the day, I started to think about why. I shouldn't have done that in a, quote, unquote, church-type service. I don't know if that was the right thing to do. But it doesn't matter. I mean, so what if I did? It was just one lie among many lies I told. And I don't even know that it was, I didn't even think it was the most important lie I told. I, you know, it, was, it came as easy to me to lie as it did to curse. And that was easy. So it, after I thought about it before, it just didn't matter that much. But God was using it. This is the way God used it. I told you how God works and how he set up so many things to bring me to this place. Oral Roberts came to Goldsboro, North Carolina in a crusade that that size town would have never entertained. But he came there and had a great crusade. In that crusade, my mother was saved. As a result of that, she started going to church, to a Pentecostal church, and went all the time, went regularly. I never went, but she did finally convince me to go to Sunday school. And then I would go home after Sunday school and never went to church. I was never in a church service. I'd go and go to Sunday school. I did that to please my mother. The only person in my life that I cared about pleasing or had any regard for really was my mother. And so I did that to please her. I'd go to Sunday school. I wouldn't say to church to please her. I hadn't gone quite that far yet, so I'd leave and go home. Now, after I heard the sermon on the white horse, as insignificant as it is, Using that, even though I didn't know it at the time. If I would known it at the time, I have no idea what I would have done. That's why God doesn't always tell us what He's doing in advance. When God's dealing with you in something in your life, He's bringing you to, a, you to a place that you need to be. You know, you're not here this morning just because you happen to come, and you're not here because you come every Sunday. You're here today because God has a purpose in your being here. God has a plan that He wants to put into effect in your life and my life. And for many of us, he's already working that plan, and we just need to stay with that plan that he's working. So my mother told me that the pastor of the church had announced that he was going to preach the next Sunday night on the real truth about the rider of the white horse in the book of Revelation. And my mother thought that would attract me to go. So she talked to me about it through the week. She wasn't overbearing about it. And she would just say. And finally, she said, "Well, you know, you spent the time to go out and hear that independent preacher tell you about that horse in the Book of Revelation. You know, at least go in and hear our pastor. And he wasn't my pastor because I didn't have a pastor. <laughs> he did not know me. This pastor did not know me. And one not he saw me sitting in church and recognized me. When I walked in, he had no idea who I was." Because he didn't even go to my Sunday school class. The only time he saw me was in my Sunday school class. Now, af- before this time, now, remember, this is in August, so I had already been to Vacation Bible School that summer. Again, why on earth did I decide to go to Vacation Bible School? <sighs> I was I was kind of interested in vacation, but I wasn't interested in Bible. I wasn't interested in school. So I was I was only one out of three. <laughs> Somehow. Not having anything else to do, my mother said it would be a good thing to go. You'll meet some people, make some friends. So I decided to go. I cannot tell you any reason why. I had, it wasn't because of any interest on my part on anything that they were going to do. But God put something in my heart to cause me to go. And while I was there, young teenage boy that I was, Maybe a little bit old to be in Vacation Bible School, but I guess not because others around my age were there. While I was there, a lot of people in that Vacation Bible School became aware that I was not saved. You didn't have to be around me very long to know that I wasn't saved. And especially when they started talking about the Bible. This part I told you last week, when when the teacher came around to, to your favorite Bible verse... I had no idea how I knew this. I don't know why it was stuck in my head. Where it came from, I can't imagine. I had heard somebody say it somewhere, I guess. But I said, isn't there a verse that said, Jesus went? And she said, yes, there is, trying to help me too. And I said, well, that's my favorite verse. I didn't know if it was in John. I didn't know where John was. I didn't know where, where Exodus was or Genesis or Revelation. I had just somehow came out, and, and it, it saved me a little bit of embarrassment. But it was one of the things that made everybody there know that I wasn't saved. And I did not know that a group of young people got together concerned about the fact that I was not saved. I'll tell you more about that in a few minutes. So so my mother said to me this particular week, you went out and spent time listening to the preacher in the tent talk about the white horse." why don't you come, at least come and hear what our pastor has to say about it. And I said, well, you know, I'll think about it. I got to talking to one of my neighbors right there in the neighborhood, an older man. In fact, he was the father of my friend. And I was discussing this with him and along with his son, who was just slightly younger than I. And so we as we talked about it, he said, well, you know, I might be interested in hearing that. Now, he was not a churchgoer either. Why he wanted to, I don't know. Except God somehow put it in his heart to encourage me to go. Here's a man who doesn't go to church. Has no interest in the Pentecostal church. He'd know anything about it. But when I'm telling him about this white horse thing, he says, Well, I might want to hear that. Maybe I'll go with you. I said, Well, if you'll go, I'll go. And I had not decided i so in our conversation, we decided we would go. So he and his son and I, along with my mother, went to church on Sunday night. Wow. Sunday night church. (laughs) There was a time when Sunday night church was church, folks, in case you don't know it. I went in church that night, and I I had never been in a place like that. The closest I'd ever been was in an oil robber's crusade, which I went to just a couple of times. The one in which my mother was saved. It went on for a long time. I went a couple of times. but. Never made any difference to me. So I walk in that church that night, and it is a place that is packed with people. It was the size, probably uh, put the put the picture of the church. Not number one, I think it's number two. That's the outside of the church that I went into that Sunday night. Old, old, old church. Pentecostal Holiness Church sold it a long time ago. But there is in the reconfiguration. What's the same is the curved altar and the platform, the musical instrument over there in the left corner, and the pews out there. So I'm looking at those pews, and I saw them when I was up there back a couple of years ago. I'm thinking that it's probably about the size of these two sections of pews right here. But it still looks kind of like that. Maybe a little bit larger. But I walk in... The door through the swinging doors, and as I walked, the place was full, and they were singing. They were singing, and it was great music. It was It was vibrant and alive and exciting. They were singing, and of course, I didn't know any of the songs that they were singing. It didn't matter. But I, I walked in, and I had to go down to the front row. Now, the only reason some people sit on the front row, I know that's not true of you right here, or you. Or but the only reason some people sit on the front is because they can't find a seat toward the back. And that's why I sat at the front row. So I walked down, and I sat in the pew right over there just past that piano on the left side right there. Not on the front pew, but on the second pew, because the musician sat on the front pew. I sat on the second pew. Now, The only reason I went down that far and said that far because I had to go down there to find the seat. It was full, and it was live. and They were singing, and they were excited. About it. So I joined into the service and was just having a really good time. I thought this is fun. You know, it was something to do on Sunday night. and uh, I know this will be shocking to some of you, but we didn't watch TV on Sunday nights back then. But most of them didn't have a TV. <laughs> Very few people had a TV at that time. So if you wanted to see it, you had to go to somebody's house that had one. But this was better than TV. The little of it that I'd seen anyway, the little of the TV that I'd seen. This this place was better than having a TV program of those days. Well, I walked in there, they it was just exciting. I sat down, and every when they'd have a stand-up, i stood up. up I just went right along with the service, like I belonged. I mean, just like it was... Just like I had told the truth when I lied the week before and said I'd go to heaven if I died that day. I felt I just joined in and just took part in the whole thing like it was just something really, really good to do. So I looked down at my mother and she was so happy that I was there. I looked at Mr. Thickpin, the man I just referred to, who was sitting beside me and his son was sitting between us. And they were enjoying it too. So I'm trapped in this pew. I guess I walked in first. I'm trapped in this pew. And those. Three or four, maybe one or two more people were between me and the end of the pew. So the pastor gets into his message, and he was a Pentecostal preacher. I'm so I mean He was loud, and he was excited, and he was carried away. And he preached on the rider of the white horse. I don't know what position he took. I don't know if he said he was the Christ or the Antichrist. I know he said the opposite of what the independent Baptist preacher had said the week before. One said he was the Antichrist, and one said he was Christ. And I don't remember who said what. I think the preacher on Sunday night said that the rider of the white horse was Christ, and I think he's the one who was correct in that, in that interpretation. But I can't be sure of that. And you know something? I used to wonder about that, worry about it a little bit. What if I got saved and somebody preached a message that wasn't true? And then I decided, what does it matter? It doesn't make a bit of difference. I mean, he could have been up there preaching that it's like sin to get baptized. If I got saved, I got saved. So I stopped worrying about that a long time ago after I came to the right conclusion, which I still hold that conclusion today. You don't have to know a lot to be saved, folks. You don't have to understand a lot to be saved. You don't have to have any theological background. You don't have to have any scriptural training. Now, it's good if you learn at least if not before or right after what you have done and what your commitment is. But the main thing is when you come and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved by the Word of God. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And that means confessing who He is, that He is the virgin-born Son of God, totally deity, completely God as well as perfect man. And not only that he was born of a virgin, but he lived a sinless life. That he died a substitutionary, vicarious death. He died on the cross in our place, in other words. And that he then further rose from the dead. When you believe this and confess it with your mouth. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead then you will be saved. It doesn't matter if you're in the wrong church or the right church. Hopefully you'll get out of the wrong one and get in the right one if you are saved in the wrong one. But you can be saved not knowing much, not understanding much, but just by believing the Word of God. And that faith of believing God's Word comes at the energizing of the Holy Spirit. It's not a rational thing that you think through. You can do that. But I want to say one other thing about being saved. When I tell you my experience now, how I was saved, I want to make this very, very clear. Nobody has to be saved the way I was. And I tell people about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't think people should be baptized in the Holy Spirit the way I was. I just acted on what I knew, which was basically nothing. So, So when the preacher gave the invitation that night, and... I now, I, I didn't know what was happening, but I knew something was happening. And when the preacher got written and started giving the invitation that night, I did not think it through. I did not dwell on it, deliberate on it. But I made a decision. Now, I know, I know the time. I know it was August the 6th. I know exactly when it was. It was at the close of that Sunday night service. It was in this little church that you see a picture of right here. At that spot right there where I'm standing in that church. When I walked out and went past the piano, I walked into a prayer room. There wasn't a room at the altar for people. So I walked into a prayer room. And in those days, there was a metal chair right there where I'm standing, right up against that wall. And I knelt down before that metal chair to get saved. So I'm back now in the pew, and the preacher is giving the invitation. And I felt something pull on me so much, so strongly. It was like somebody had taken me by the hands and was pulling me forward. I didn't know where I was going and why. All I knew, he said, if you need if you need to be saved, I couldn't have told you what being saved was. I couldn't have I couldn't said anything to you about it. I didn't know anything about the blood of Jesus. didn't know anything about the gospel. didn't know anything about how to be saved. didn't know anything about faith. All I knew was, he said, if you need to be saved, and, and somehow deep down inside me, the Holy Spirit made me know this. I needed to be saved. That's what he made me know. I needed to be saved. So I started walking out of that pew. Remember, I wasn't on the aisle now. I was down toward the other end, up against the wall, so you couldn't get out at my end of the pew. I started walking out of the aisle. I stepped on every toe on my way down. I stepped on the first set of shoes. I stepped on this because I'm holding on to the back of the pew holding onto the back of the pew now, trying to get out. Now, it's, it's kind of tight. So I'm not waiting for people to get out of my way or pull their feet back. I, I, I'm coming to get out of the way. So those that didn't got stepped off. I stepped on every foot and every shoe on the way down there till I got out to the end of that pew. When I got out the end of that pew, I turned and walked through, around that curved altar, turned and walked into that prayer room, fell on my knees before God at that old metal chair. And God did a work in my life. God did a work in my life. That was miraculous. He touched me and changed me. He made me a new person right there at that moment, at that instant. I didn't know what was happening, but he made me a new person. And as I learned, as I grew, and as I developed, I realized what had happened to me. I knew from that moment I was saved, but I didn't know what being saved meant. I didn't know anything about the Bible terms on it. But I knew that it had happened. And I don't know what the people felt about my walking on their toes. I never asked them. <laughs> I never had a conversation about it. My mother might have said something about it while I was in a hurry to get out later or something like that, but... I didn't ride home with the rest of them that night. I I just wanted to be alone with Jesus. Because I, I didn't know him when I walked into that place that night. But when I walked out of that little church, I knew him. I knew him. I didn't know much about him. I didn't know much about him. I didn't know much of things he had said. I didn't know much about who he was. I didn't learn much on my knees except that I was saved. So I didn't know much, but what I did know, I knew this, I knew Jesus. I knew he loved me. I knew I loved him. And I knew that my life was different from that point on. I couldn't see the future obviously. I didn't know what was to go. But what I did know, that from that moment on, as I walked home along the sidewalk that night alone, dwelling on that and looking up to him, I did know that he had changed my life. And forever after from that moment things would be different. And they have been. Ever since that time, all those years ago, when that happened, it's been different ever since. And the good thing about salvation is you don't have to renew it. You don't have to resubscribe don't have to do anything but just live for Jesus, and it holds. It holds. It just holds up, and it stays and stays and stays and stays, because Jesus never changes. And this is what Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. I'm reading from a different translation from what I read last week. This is from the New Living Translation. It's a, it's, it's a clarification that we'll understand better. Paul put it this way. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news of Jesus. And that's what I've learned over the over the years. I've learned that God called me. So why did I spend all those years away from Him? Why did anybody? Why did the Apostle Paul, while he was all of Tarsus, do all of those horrible things to the followers of Jesus, persecute them, and even and even kill them? Why did he do? Because he had not had the Son revealed to him yet. But when he was revealed to Paul on that Damascus road. It changed everything for him. And when he was revealed to me on that night, that August the 6th Sunday night in Goldboro, North Carolina, in that little church, when I went to that prayer room, he revealed himself to me. And all that I knew at that point was, I have met Jesus. And I knew he loved me. I knew that I loved him. And I knew that my life was changed. And it would never, forever be different. And it has been different ever since. Now, I, I said this earlier, and I want to really, really be sure that I clarify this. You don't have to be saved the way I was saved. <laughs> I know people who were saved who never had an emotion. They just came and they believed. They didn't shed a tear. Well, I was the exact opposite of that. I fell down before that little chair, and I've told you this before. And I get on this ground right supposed to tell in detail about this but because it, it, it's not it's not uh, it's true but it's not necessarily polite I'll tell you the polite version I'll tell you the impolite version you need to decide how about that no <laughs> I knelt down <laughs> before that chair and I did not know what was happening I didn't know what was happening but I started to cry I, you know I, I after all these years I can still weep over it because it's still so real it's as real as it was then just as real, just as true right now as it was all those years ago. So I fell down on my knees in that chair, and, and shortly after, I realized that my Sunday school teacher, I told you I went to Sunday school, when I came. my Sunday school teacher heard me, but I found out I was at the altar, or in the prayer and the prayed for me, and she came and knelt beside me. she stayed with me the whole time while I prayed for I didn't know what I, was saying. I wasn't saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I didn't know what to say. I didn't, I couldn't say anything, and all. all I could do was bawl. Bald, bald, and bald. I cried and cried and cried and cried. Carolyn has a wonderful experience of salvation. She is as solid with the Lord as I will ever be. She doesn't know exactly her salvation experience is not like mine. She got saved in a youth camp, she thinks. It happened and you just grow and she, she, well, she had a family that could help her and lead her with. You didn't have to have an experience like I did. I had to have an experience like I had because, because I needed something that would prove it to me. And in the years ahead, I needed to be able to look back and, and have an experience. I know this is why God saved me the way He did. I, so that I could look back and have an experience that no matter what the devil told me, I could say, you're a liar. No matter how many times he told me, you didn't get saved. I could I it wasn't the second I was ever convinced of that. Every time I heard them like, say, well, you didn't even get saved anyway. You uh, it, it was just too real. It was too powerful. It was too strong. It was too overwhelming. Better ever, ever, ever to be any question. Right? No, no semblance of doubt whatsoever. Because I would need that in time going forward. So when God saved me, I fell before that old broken metal chair. And cried and wept and wept. And in those days, you know, we weren't—I guess they weren't smart enough to have boxes of Kleenex around for everybody. So, so I just bawled and squawling. I don't even know if I had a handkerchief, but if I did, it they long for it to be gone. I mean, I just could not stop crying. I could not stop bawling. bawled, and just I, I, on and I, on and on and went. And I, Did I promise I wouldn't tell this? Or did I just say I might? <laughs> yeah. My son's going to teach giving to give me her handkerchiefs. And then I think they got some more. One of the cleaners they kept giving me handkerchiefs. I don't know what they did with them afterwards. but I filled them up and gave them back to them. I just put it up. <laughs> but, but I kept bawling and the handkerchiefs kept coming. And I just, I... I, I, I I, I wouldn't have stopped if I could have, but I couldn't. I had no thought about stopping. I just—I was just the transformation was going on, and and, and, and I wonder and I, I say this again to make it really—I don't want to put questions in anybody's mind about your experience of salvation. You don't have to get saved the way I did. Salvation is not by crying and bawling and squalling. That's. That's that's not what salvation is. Salvation is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. So that was just a byproduct of my getting saved. That was just the emotional proof that God was giving me that a miracle was taking place in my life. Because, as I said, I would need that going forward. Many people may not. I did. And not only that, I, I confess I've needed it sometimes over the years, too. When the enemy attacks... The enemy comes, then I can always look and say, two things. Two things happened to me that I never, never doubted. I was saved, and the devil has never been able to make me doubt that for the first five seconds, the first one second. Never, never made me doubt that. And then I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I went through a little bit of doubt immediately after, but quickly God resolved that for me. And from that time forward, I've never been had any doubts about having been baptized in the Holy Spirit because that was the experience that God gave me. Now, what I want you to know from all of this is that God puts a plan in motion. And He may be setting things in your path right now to bring you to where He wants you to be with Him. Like He set things in my path. You look back, you don't know that, but you look at them and you start thinking about it. You may realize right now that the reason we met that person and had that conversation with that person is because God wanted to do something to you. And He doesn't do it just in one time. He sometimes it's a series of events as it was with me. But then God knows where He's leading you. He knows exactly where He wants to bring you. And He'll do all the things that are necessary to bring you to that point. I want you today to reflect on your experience with Him. And if you don't have an experience that you know is settled with Him, that you've settled it with Him, that you know, and you, and, and you don't know by what you feel, now it's not all about what you feel, it's by what you know by faith. The Word of God assures you, if you do these things, you're saved. If you've done these things, you're saved. That's what you need to know. When I look back, I realized, as I started looking back over the years of my life, I look back, and I know that what really, really anchored me once I left that prayer room that night, over the coming months and the next few years, what really anchored me was God's Word. God's Word is what anchored me. And I got God's Word by being in the house of God. I'm not I'm not making a promotion for a church or church attendance today. I'm just going to tell you the fact. When I was saved, God put something in my heart that I had never had before. I've emphasized to you how little interest I had in church. And I had maybe even less than I've told you. I didn't care one single thing about it. Never had been into it. I'd never been in a full church service other than that tent meeting. Never been in a church building church service until the night I got saved. I didn't have any interest in it. had no thoughts or plans about starting to go to church. I only went to Sunday school to please my mother, not to learn the Bible, not to study any lessons. I went because I wanted to please my mother, and she was asking me to go and do that for her, so that's all the reason I did it. But when I got saved, now again, in a few seconds of time, I was a different person. I wasn't the same person I'd been before. I was not the same person I was when I walked into that prayer room. When I got up off my knees, and they kind of helped me up to stand. And I blew my nose for the last time, sorry. I just got it all. got myself clear where I could walk out. I was a different person. I wasn't the same person that I'd been when I walked in there and sat down in that pew. I was a changed person. I was totally different. And so they did not have a follow-up program. Nobody came to me afterwards and said, We well, want you to be sure to be in church now. And listen, this is what you need to do. They didn't tell me anything I needed to do not blaming them. I'm just saying they didn't. But this is what happened. God put it in my heart. I knew when I got up out of the and I knew as I walked home that night, I was going to church the next time they had church. And so I got saved on Sunday night, and Wednesday night I was back in church. Next Sunday morning I was there. Next Wednesday night I was there. Next Sunday I was there. Not only Sunday morning, but Sunday night. When they had church and they opened the doors, I went. Because now, when I didn't want to go before, where I had no interest in going before, now I wanted to be there every chance I got. I wanted to hear the word of God. I wanted to hear the singing of the songs by the saints. I wanted to see the fellowship of the people. I wanted to be in the presence of God. And it never changed from that time on. I wanted to be in the house of God, and I always was. So I didn't get any instruction in discipleship, but I went to church and I heard the Bible, I heard the teaching of God's Word, I experienced the moving of the Holy Spirit, and every time I did it, grounded me a little bit more, planted me a little bit deeper, made it a little bit more solid every time that happened. And that's what kept me and held me in those next years that were coming, in difficult times and hard times, with heartbreak and disappointment that comes to all of us in life. All of that had already been settled with me that I was with God. I was with God. I was with a child of God. And now nothing was ever going to change that. And thank God nothing ever has changed it since that time. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. I've got to find a place to stop on this So This is as good as any, as any. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do.